welcome to Library Land Loves, a podcast from OLA. I believe that libraries are full of the most passionate people on the planet. People who are passionate about their careers, about the people they're serving, about the programs they're running. And that passion doesn't end there. Be it the coffee they're drinking or the pop culture they're consuming, Library Land loves a lot. Hi, and welcome to Library Land Loves. I am Michelle Arbuckle, Director of Education and Member Engagement at OLA. Library Land Loves is produced bi-monthly, so please don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you're listening to this pod right now. Today joining us is Maria Martella. Maria was manager for 17 years at the renowned children's bookstore in Toronto, and in 2003 she founded Tin Lids Inc., a Canadian children's and young adult book wholesaler dedicated to providing exceptional selection and acquisition expertise to Canadian schools and public libraries. Tin Lids is also the official wholesaler for OLA's Forest of Reading program, the largest recreational reading program in Canada. And it is a reading program for kids K-12 to and also for French kids, or kids in French schools, kids who read French, uh, K-8. to So we are going to speak with Maria today about her top five titles that every library needs to have immediately. But first, let's get to know her a little bit. Hello, Maria. Hello, Michelle. So tell us a little bit about what you do all day. Well, lately I do a lot of shallow breathing and then I do a lot (laughs) of deep breathing. And uh, no, Uh, we're getting ready for the Forest of Reading. As you know, it's going to be announced on October 15th. Mm -hmm. So we're really excited about that. And by the time this pod airs, it will already be out so people can go and find the list. Yes, that's great. So yeah, so what do I do all day? I uh, answer a lot of questions around books. I answer a lot of emails and uh, requests for selection help. Um, I have a great job. I get to choose books for schools and libraries that, uh, you know, follow different themes or even just the best and greatest new books. I get to spend other people's money. Oh my God, <laughs> uh, Yeah, amazing. so it's great. And we have uh, shoppers that come in on site. Um, so I meet with uh, librarians and I go to trade shows and all that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, so my whole life really revolves around kids' books and I don't mm. get much time to do anything else as far as readings. <laughs> but no complaints. A lot, a lot no on your complaints. Plate. So yeah. where are you physically located? We have a five and a half thousand square foot showroom at uh, Dufferin and Finch in okay. Toronto, in North Toronto. And uh, yeah, and so we've got thousands of books on display and people can come in every day sometimes we get groups sometimes we just get people wandering in and yeah it's great it's like a store for teachers and librarians and really anybody who loves children's books so that's fantastic i've never been there oh you'll uh, have to come up we should have done this pod today at uh, yes we could have done that um and so Tell us a little bit about, because this sounds like such a glamorous life. This is the life everyone thinks librarians have, Oh, yes. Sitting around books all day long. Reading all day and eating chocolate. No, it's... So uh, how do you get to build your collection? Are you going to book shows and that kind of thing? uh, I meet with publisher reps Mm -hmm. every season, and they, I don't know, life would be very hard without publisher reps. It's, Mm -hmm. they're great. So they bring samples of their new list for the fall or spring, whatever they're meeting me me for. And uh, many of them read, so they they will recommend. Um, Of course, when you've been selling books for over 30 years, you kind of know which authors you're 
going to buy uh, anyway, even if you don't see a sample. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's great. So they leave me with books. I read. I basically read every night. Every night, yes. And I don't get to read at my desk every day like some people think. <laughs> but uh, I, you know, I read reviews. I talk to teachers every day and. Um, and yeah, I just read and read and read, and then I make my selections that way as well. But uh, yeah, you can't read everything, of course. So yeah. um, I do depend on publishers' knowledge and reviews right. and right. whatnot. So, did your kids have huge collections growing up? They did, and they still do. And yes, your uh, grandson now has. Yes, he, my grandson has a great collection at my house and at his mother's house. So what a dream! Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it's are great. there any? Um, seasons or times where you go in knowing that you're looking for a certain type of book or where you're trying to stock more of a certain perspective? Uh, Well, that's the nice thing about meeting with reps is Mm -hmm. that you can actually talk to them about what you're hearing uh, out in the uh, schools and what there's a lack of. Um, I always love a challenge. You know, if if someone's asking me for books uh, that I can't find a lot of, then I I make a note of that and I'll pass it on to the publishers. And sometimes they actually um, have something, you know, in the wings already. I mean, I know they they have their list, you know, Mm -hmm. a year or two ahead, but but it's great. So, and I think that they like to hear that as well because, you know, they're not on the front lines the way that uh, wholesalers or booksellers are. So... Um, yeah, it's yeah. it's a really good opportunity for me to share uh, where I think there's holes or where I think we need better representation of, yeah, uh, that's great. of titles. So. What are the is there anything right now trends that uh, teachers or libraries are really looking for? Well, they're always looking for curriculum links, but I feel that anything that really any great book out there is going to meet numerous curriculum links. So it's just a, a question a question of looking at things that way um there isn't well right now I mean there are still topics that are popular that have been popular for a long time and that one of the those things is diversity of Mm -hmm. course and um you know character ed I mean I I laugh about character because really every book is about character ed (laughs) in children's well you know the virtues every school board has different uh character traits you know like honesty or courage or so I, the, you know, I, I don't really like to slot books um, into themes that way, but it does make you think about books differently. If right. you're looking for a book and you, you didn't really think about that connection before, mm-hmm. then it just kind of enriches your Female experience. Female protagonist, the book. that kind yeah, of thing. Right, yeah, right. so, That's great. you know, so it's good. Okay. So we have a top five list today, um, just for listeners, and I will put pictures up. There's a stack of all five books right in front of me, and I'm resisting reaching out (laughs) to grab them, but I will be thumbing through them. Um, So top five books that you think every library should have right now. Yes. And they're not ranked, so we're just starting at number one. No, they're definitely not ranked. Um, I'm going to start with uh, the one that, uh, the only one that I brought that is really appropriate for high school. Um, The others are more middle middle grade and, and primary. Um, this is called What Makes Girls Sick and Tired. And I thought I'd start with this one just to... Um, I love this cover. Yes, the cover <laughs> is great. It's a very graphic, beautiful, beautiful uh, cover Im- image of a girl uh, leaning on her elbow with her chin in her, her hand. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is um, a Canadian published and, and authored. Uh, what Makes Girls Sick and Tired is is written by Lucille de de Pelois, and I apologize if I've uh, uh, mispronounced that. 
And the illustrations are by Genevieve Darling. Um, it's a picture book format, a paperback picture book format. There's, there are illustrations on every page with a caption, a statement basically on uh, one something that is an issue for women or um, a challenge that, you know, whether it's an invisible challenge that we don't even think about or something that we just take for granted, like the, the fact that we pay more for moisturizers, hair, uh, haircuts, mm -hmm. shoes, um, clothing, or uh, something around uh, pay equity or um, whether it's about our sexuality. Uh, it's a really great representation of the experience of many, many different types of, of girls and women mm -hmm. uh, around the world. And it's a great springboard for introducing feminism and um, um, women's, women's rights, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, the authors and the illustrator, they make a statement at the end of the book that says, you know, they, they realize that they're looking at this whole thing through a white privileged woman's mm -hmm. lens mm -hmm. and that they certainly don't um, aren't you know meaning to represent every single woman around the world but if you look at it I think that you would be hard-pressed to not r connect with a lot of these mm -hmm. um, you know these problems wow. and uh, things that we're faced with today uh, especially these days and I think it's just the perfect book for um, this this in introduction to human rights, basically, um, because they, you know, they they represent uh, this book represents um, images and and uh, issues for shy girls, country girls, city girls, uh, gay, straight, um, different sizes, you know, all, all types of different women. Mm -hmm. And it in, so it introduces you to some um, issues that or problems that you might not face, but other women around the world do face. And then, of course, those subtle uh, and uh, ones that we don't even think about every day, like you know, like the fact that young, you know, young girls are, and women are expected to wear push-up bras to make them look sexy, and mm -hmm. yet we have to cover our breasts when we're nursing a child. So. Um, not sugar-coated at all, no. uh, very frank and honest look at, uh, at what women face. And I think that um, every student, uh, regardless of gender, should have this, uh, this, this book to explore. Is it, talk about. Um, what, what, is there an age for this? Um, the, well, the publisher doesn't list an age. Okay. I'm, I'm thinking that I know a lot of schools will use it for grade seven, eight as well, but yeah. I think it's more of a teen title. Yeah. Um, and I, I know that teachers will look at it um, in terms of, you know, even thinking about different activities they can do around this with writing. I think it's a good, good prompts for writing. Absolutely. Yeah. And what I hope is really good book for boys. Absolutely. That's oh why I say gosh. students of all gender really need to read this and yeah. think about what, uh, what life is like for for women. Page and 44. Girls are sick and tired of being asked if they have their period when something bothers them, makes them smile, or makes them cry. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. And, <laughs> and I, there's I, another I, one. Um, girls are sick and tired when men who cook and do the shopping are praised for being modern, while women who do it are just considered normal. I love that one. That Such one's... a good one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the illustrations are, are fantastic. Gems. You're right. This They're is a beautiful. good one to check out. And and it ends on a note of of hope because yes. it talks about um, you know women are not sick and tired of of you know uh, of encouraging encouraging each other supportive. and support. Yes, that's right. So.
It says, girls are less sick and tired when they are encouraging, supportive, and united in solidarity with one another. It's one of the best parts of feminism. Oh, all right. So this one comes out, Second Story Press comes out in March. In March. Unfortunately, I can't sell it right away, but I just thought something to look forward to and so timely. All right. Number two. Number two is one of my very favorite authors, Susan Nielsen. Yeah, she's great. I adore her books. She never lets me down. Mm-hmm. You know, as a bookseller, sometimes you, you just have to hold up a book and say, it's the new Susan Nielsen, and of course they'll buy yeah. it even if you haven't read it. But I never miss out on reading her books. Um, I do that with some books because, you know, I can't read every single volume of a series. Well, and or, this is of quite but, some length, right? Yes, so it's that's not, right. It's not yeah that's right quick quick read so this is her newest book no fixed address and um it is it is so funny and poignant and um authentic a a great uh 13 year old voice Mm -hmm. um this boy is almost 13 year old years old his name is felix knutson and he lives with his mother in a van um his mother's name is astrid and she's quite loving and really cares about Felix, wants to take care of him, of course, and provide for him. Uh, but at any cost, she lies a lot. Mm-hmm. She steals, she actually steals the van that they live in. Okay. Um, and she tells Felix that he can't tell anyone that they're living in a van because if he does, he will be taken away from her and he'll be sent to foster care. So Felix, on the other hand, is not a good liar. He's very anxious and uh, stressed out, as you can imagine, mm-hmm. about this. Um, I like, I, I kind of marked one of the, my favorite chapters. It's called Astrid's Guidebook to Lies. She actually has different levels, types and levels of lies. So she's got the invisible lie, like where someone will say to you, you know, how's your day going? And you're like, great, no problem. Everything's cool. Um, you know, doesn't hurt anyone and no one really wants to know how your day is. The, uh, one of my favorites is the give peace a chance lie. So you do this to to, uh, spare someone's feelings. You don't, you know. So he uses an example about of this waitress who says, you know, do my pants look big? Does my butt look big in these pants? And she's like, no, 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 they don't. And then he says, well, you know, it's your friend. Wouldn't you want to tell her the truth? She says, well, her butt looks the same in any pair of pants, and she has an okay butt. Like, and it goes on the embellishment lie, the no one get hurt hurts lie, and the someone might lose an eye lie. She is hilarious. Um, she really captures that uh, that sense of humor that, no, like no one else, uh, you know, she's talking about some pretty hard topics mm-hmm. here with, you know, homelessness and poverty. And she shows how easy it is to go from living in an apartment to living in a van. It's mm-hmm. not really a big stretch for a lot of people. And um, she really... Um, understands how smart kids are at mm-hmm. 13 and doesn't um, dumb them down. No, not she, at all. she, you know, the reader is, is like for me, I was really aware of the fact that um, the mother was trying to protect Felix from the heart, you know, the harsh realities. But we know as a reader that Felix understands the harsh realities. And the, the one thing, the one thread in this that was a lot of fun was the fact that he is a trivia nerd. Mm-hmm. He loves this show called Who, What, Where, When. And um, he watches it all the time. And, and he discovers that there's a junior edition of this show and he auditions and he makes it on the show what he didn't doesn't realize is that the prize is twenty five thousand dollars you get a thousand dollars just for just for being in the show and then twenty five hundred dollars if you're on the top five or something like that and so he 
he gets to stay in a hotel with his mother for a week while they're filming the show. Right. And uh, But things don't go as he expects, of course. Life takes all kinds of turns. And he there's a lot of... He has two really great friends, uh, a boy named Dylan and a girl named Winnie. And he loves going to Dylan's because... Of course, he gets to sleep over in a warm house, in a real bed. There's lots of food. Um, you know, it's pretty hard living in a van with your mother. There's mm-hmm. no privacy. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so it's just full of, um, you know, things that you, you know, that you would imagine a 13-year-old boy would worry about mm-hmm. uh, while he's living in this van with his mother. And, and again, she injects this bit of humor that really helps you get over those uh, periods of, uh, you know, just panicky feelings mm-hmm. and really cute and cover too. It's a great cover. Yeah. So is this uh she the way that she writes uh kids perspectives. You're right. She she gives them um I won't even say so much credit, but she writes such smart kids. Yeah. Um and kids in a way that that's kind of like, "Ugh, these adults. Like they don't get it. They don't know." And and I yeah. think that's a lot why a lot of kids really like it because they can then relate like yeah who are these who are these adults that think they know <laughs> how to do this that's so true yeah and she she has a really good um, perspective does she have kids that I don't know she she just relates so I know she well. wrote for Degrassi oh interesting. Yeah. So yeah, she's, see why she's, she's so good. Yeah, she's fantastic. All right, so number three. All right, number three is Dodger Boy by Sarah Ellis. Um, I was. This is one of those books. I, I'm going to say this. I'm sorry, whoever designed the, the cover. It's not my favorite cover. No, mine either. And you know, I I, I dream about doing a book talk um, on books that have covers that I don't really love, but Ooh. that are fantastic. That's stories. another good pod. That's a good pod. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. And this is called Dodger Boy by Sarah Ellis, who's a wonderful writer. Uh, And you know what? I just realized these are all Canadian. I didn't do that deliberately, the books that I'm talking about today. But Sarah Ellis, another one of our great Canadian uh, authors. This is a little wisp of a book. It's only 178 pages. Um, But it really packs a punch. Like, I I was so... I couldn't put this book down. You could read it in like an hour, Mm -hmm. maybe two. Uh, it's called Dodger Boy, and it's about a girl, two girls, actually. The, the main character's name is Charlotte, and her best friend is Dawn, and they are uh, on the verge of um, teen teenagehood, and they don't want to become teenagers because they realize that, or they've observed that when girls become teenagers and they're boy crazy, they, they act dumb. Mm-hmm. They just do this fake stupid thing, and they care about... Things that are silly in Dawn and uh, Charlotte's point of view. So they have this pact. They call it the unteen pact. We're not going to be like that. And they watch um, Romeo and Juliet. And they read. They, so they read Shakespeare. They are very... Charlotte especially is really into Pride and Prejudice. She reads it and then she just starts reading it all over again. They um, really make connections with the characters. And they have this pact that they're just not going to be, ever be silly and and behave differently that they're going to still have fun and they're not going to, they're just going to skip the teen teen life right goal, they're just going to go right from yeah from being like 12 to being an 30. adult yeah <laughs> so that that was that's really amusing right off um and and I actually know I, one of my nieces like that she's like no I don't want to be a teenager teenagers mm-hmm. my cousin's a teenager and she doesn't want to play with me anymore and you know she's not very nice to her mother and <laughs> that sort Fair, of thing so yeah, <laughs> yeah so so I, I kind of get that and uh, um, so Charlotte uh, is her family is Quaker and um, Dawn's family is uh, I think they're 
Croatian or Yugoslavian. Anyway, they both have different different family backgrounds, but uh, both loving family. Um, they Don sees a poster on a telephone pole, and it's advert. This is set in 1970, by the way. I should have said that 1970 Vancouver. And uh, Don sees a poster on a telephone pole that's advertising a free festival concert, a uh, hippie kind of uh, thing where peace and love. And and so the girls decide that they're going to attend this and that they're going to go full on hippie. So they get, they go to a vintage shop and they, well, vintage, I don't even think it was that. <laughs> I don't know if you called them vintage then, but anyway, they buy these, you know, flower power dresses mm -hmm. and tie dye skirts and uh, they attend this festival where they meet this young boy who doesn't look like a hippie at all. He's got short hair, he's very clean, uh, white t-shirt, and his name is Tom Ed. Ed is his last name, and it's really funny that they refer to him as Tom Ed. They they just, that's what they call him throughout the book. And uh, and so this, this guy, uh, they befriend him, and they find out he doesn't really have a place to stay, so Charlotte invites him to her house, because her Quaker family is very kind, big-hearted, and they take in a lot of people, and uh, they're just community-minded that way. So Tom Ed goes to live with Charlotte. And uh, the, the first night that he's there, her friend Dawn has to go to the cottage with her family. And, and uh, so she's away for a while. When she comes back, while she's gone, Tom Ed and Charlotte become friends. And Tom Ed is, is about 18. Okay, so Charlotte's maybe 12 or 13, and, or maybe a little younger. Um, and... So it's kind of like a big brother relationship. Mm -hmm. And although you're never really sure, you know, uh, one thing about this book, it's a small little book, a quick, quick read. But like I said, there, there are lots, there are a few twists and turns that took me by surprise. And uh, one of the things that she realizes is that this guy, Tom Ed, isn't like the boys that she, that are silly and, mm -hmm. you know, funny that are her age, but he, and he's not like the adults either. He listens to to her opinion, and he doesn't judge anything. He's very laid back. He's into peace, and uh, he tells her about the Vietnam War that he's that you know he's he's a um, a draft dodger, and uh, and you know he's a real pacifist, and uh, he doesn't really impose his beliefs on her or anything. He just he's just a really good character. And, you know, as an adult, I'm reading this going, okay, where is this going? You yeah. know, is this guy going to be a creep? Exactly. So I won't give it away. It's really, really great. I loved all the characters in this book. When Dawn comes back, she's on the verge of becoming a silly teen. She starts to get a crush on Tom Ed, and that drives, you know, puts a little wedge between the girls. And, uh, but it's great. It's like, it, you know, he introduces them to Margaret Mead. Uh, he talks about women's liberation. He... <laughs> He talks about, I mean, Ann Landers is in there. I thought, oh, yes, right, Ann Landers. A real great, I hate to say historical fiction now, but... Uh, blast from the past. Yeah, a real blast from the past. I mean, the so. font makes more sense now. There's a yes, font on the front that's, that's, that's very, right. like, 70s show kind of thing. That's right, exactly. Yeah. So Sounds like a good one. You know, I got to page, uh, I got to about 20 pages um, before the end, and I thought, what what else could possibly happen? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know... A lot? Yeah. Okay. It was really great. I Excellent. loved it. So Dodger so, Boy, what age are we looking at for that? Um, I'm going to say grades four to seven. Okay. Yeah. That's Probably good. grade eight would be fine too, but yeah. Great. Brings us to number four. <clears throat> number four is Missing Mike by Sherry Green. 
this is another very timely book because uh, it deals with a, a family who has to evacuate their home. Uh, I believe it's north of Vancouver. They live in a place called Pine Grove. Um, I think there's a Pine Grove in California too. When I looked it up, mm. I just quickly before I came here, I I noticed there was one there as well that uh, was also dealing with forest fires. Anyway, we've dealt with so many forest fires, and and uh, this is this just seemed like a really timely book for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, it's written in verse. Mm. Um, Sherry Green has been on the Forest of Reading before. Uh, she's a great, a great author. She's won all kinds of uh, of awards, and this is a girl named Kara. Uh, she's about eleven years old, and her family has has an emergency kit that they have ready because there have been forest fires in the area, and um, they basically she she gets home and her family says you have to, we have ten minutes to leave. Like oh. the fire is really close. She has a dog named Mike. Um, this is a real tearjerker. Oh, um, I'm not going to tell you what happens to Mike. But well, on the cover, the flames are chasing Mike. Yes, yeah, the, so. the flames are chasing him because he uh, he gets a little panicky when she goes inside to see what her mother wants. And her mother says, we have 10 minutes to leave. Grab your things, just what's important, and we're going to go. She goes outside, and Mike is panicked and ran away. So oh. she has to leave her her dog behind and she doesn't want to of course she fights yeah. her parents all the way but her dad basically grabs her puts her in the car and away they drive oh. and so here she's left Mike and is, she's devastated um, and the scene of them driving away and the walls of fire and the smoke oh. and the people some people are stranded they're they've run out of gas um, at one point she opens the car door because she sees a cat outside and the cat jumps in and so she thinks maybe somebody will do this to Mike right. And uh, the whole book is really uh, her, they, they reach this community center where they're going to be uh, settling in. And of course, there's families from all over. Mm -hmm. um, and the whole book is really her, uh, you know, going between um, thinking that Mike is going to make it, he's going to follow the, the river, even though it's dried up, he might, he's going to look for water, he'll be okay. And then if he follows it, he'll find me. And but then there's all these what ifs, but what if, what if, what if he does this? And, and so it's like she's going through all of these different scenarios. She has a sister named Sloane. Sloane is a couple years older than her. She's 13, Sloane. And all of, and, and the, then the parents, of course. And um, the father, the, it's interesting, at one point the mother says, you know, you might not see, she doesn't want, to, want her daughter to, um, you know, just you know hang on to this hope but her father says let her hang on to the hope you mm -hmm. know like what has she got to lose you know let her think that it's going to be okay so anyway um it's a great uh look at what happens you know during i mean w and, and also like a a great uh look at what happens to animals because you know what you find out is that there's all kinds of um organizations that have come up now mm -hmm. online is you know great thing that we have internet uh to look up uh, places that are are uh shelters for animals mm -hmm. that are trying to reunite the pets with their with their uh, family so this is one thing that she can do she lists her name on all of the sites that she can possibly find and she meets a girl there who is um is also there living with her foster parents and the girl has a um, a great relationship with her father, foster sister who has access to a car and they sneak out and they try to go back. So it's a, it's a really riveting book. You don't know right to the end what's happened to Mike. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
And it's a really good look at how people define home because Mm -hmm. she talks to a lot of different people and some people are devastated. Of course, everybody's devastated, but everybody has a different definition for what home means to them. Right, and what they need to have with them to feel safe. That's right, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, for a child, for preteen, whatever, that could be so specific. Yeah. And and not what you would expect. That's right. A dog, a phone, a, a possession of some kind. So That's right. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen another book um, that deals with evacuation from fire. No. So this is I, interesting. You're yeah. right. It is a topic that's coming up it's, so much. It's so. very timely. And uh, the other um, gut-wrenching part of this is that Mike uh, only has one eye, and he's like a, a little bit of an ugly dog. Right. right. And so she got him from the rescue, uh, and and now she's saying, you know, he was already abandoned once, and now I have abandoned him. And uh, this anguish that she feels, and also her, her perception of how everyone else is coping and mm-hmm. or not coping. Like her sister, she thinks, you know, she's not only dealing with the with potential loss of her dog, but the fact that her sister is dealing with this whole thing in a much different way. Right. She doesn't want to think about it. She's just trying to get her mind on other things. Mm-hmm. So, and Kara, the main character, th- sees that as a as her sister is ignoring her. Yeah. Her sister doesn't want anything to do with it, but her sister is protecting herself as right. well. And then there's her best friend whose family's decided we're not going to go back to Pine Grove when this is over. We're going to move to Vancouver. And mm-hmm. so now she's angry with her best friend. She's dealing with a lot. You know, right. life goes on and it's not a tidy ending mm-hmm. uh, because, of course, life Life's isn't. And, yeah. and yeah, they there's a lot, a lot of uh, unfinished uh, business, basically, wow. uh, at the end of the book. So. so what age is this one geared towards? I would say junior and intermediate could handle this one, but mostly because she's 11, I was thinking more it's grade yeah. 4 to 6. Yeah. But I, wow. think, I think because it's written in verse as well, and when that's done well, it's just so exciting. And, um, and I love books in verse. When yeah. yeah. So uh, when did this I, one come I th- out? This one came out this year. Um, can't remember the month, but it was... Mm. Pajama Press. Yes, Pajama Press. Uh, you know, this one, I, f- I have this feeling like it's going to be, this one's going to be a hit. I think Kids so. Kids this age always love a book that has that intensity to it. Yeah, and know? based on a real story. Yeah. And survival. Survival is very big right now. Yeah, great. Yeah. All right, so that brings us to number five. A yes, beautiful, number five. Beautiful Last but not least. Okay, so this is... All of a sudden, this author appeared in my in my world, Heather Smith, mm-hmm. uh, and I read a book by her called uh, uh, "The Agony of Bun O'Keefe," and I was blown away. And I was like, "Where did she come from?" All, you know, that's that the one that Vicky Vansicle spoke I, about in our pod. She yep, always measures books on a bun scale. On a bun scale, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. And then Ebb and Flow, which is now also up for Governor General. Mm-hmm. And now this third book that she's written is a picture book. I'm only I'm just assuming that it's her first picture book, and it's called Angus All Aglow. Uh, yeah, the cover is wonderful. It's got a little bit of a sparkle to it. So mm-hmm. we meet, and the, and the illustrations are by Alice Carter, also a wonderful Canadian illustrator. So we meet Angus, who loves all things that are sparkly, he loves his sister's tutu because it shimmers, and he loves his dog's um, his his uh, dog's collar because it's got little uh, spiky um, diamonds on it. He loves sparkly words like lustrous and scintillating and <laughs> gleaming, and he hears the sound of sparkly things like he he hears uh, crackles in a campfire, mm-hmm. whiz bang pop, 
when he sees his sister's dance shoes. Anyway, so one day, but the thing that he loves the most that's sparkly is his grandmother June's sparkly necklace. And it's like five layers of glass beads. So he hears them as uh, popcorn popping in a metal mm, pot. It's my kind of necklace. Yeah. I like <laughs> right? that necklace, yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. And uh, so he feels really great when he sees that necklace and his grandmother knows that he loves it so she she gives it to him mm-hmm. and the next day he gets up and he goes um through the kitchen he wants to wear it to school and of course his family makes some mild uh, mild comments but nonetheless you know his father is like you know it, it, why don't you save it for something special like, <laughs> like mardi, mardi gras, gras. and he amazing. says why can't every day be mardi gras <laughs> and his mother says well angus it's a little bit bright and then he's like that's the point right so he gets to school and then where he's you know he's kind of definitely let down because his friends laugh and and tease him a little bit and call it you know say it's too bright it's Mm -hmm. hurting their eyes and he runs out of the classroom and he's so frustrated he's trying to take the necklace off because he's embarrassed and he yanks it too hard and all the glass beads fall to the ground and then um, Melody, one of the girls in his class, comes comes by the hall and she um, sees all of these beads. But, you know, he turns around and walks away. And then that night he's very upset. He doesn't see the sparkles in his sister's tutu when he goes to her recital. And he's a little bit mean to his dog. And poor Angus, he's just so deflated. Uh, but the next day he sees Melody and she has a little paper bag and she's got all of these beads in her bag that she's picked up all his beads and she talks about his necklace being so beautiful and and she talks also about the sounds that the beads make and um and this gives him some <clears throat> some courage it kind of brings him back to himself and he she said says to him you know I can help you make a necklace and then he has a, a better idea a different idea he decides he's going to make two bracelets so he gives her one and he wears oh. it and the next day he goes to school and uh he's fine he he feels good about his bracelets and um, nobody, nobody makes fun of him anyway. So, um, so I loved this book, uh, because, you know, I started out with this book, what girls are sick and tired of. And this is one of the things that I am sick and tired of is people thinking that, you know, boys can't, boys can't do things that are, you know, quote unquote girl things. And I think that it starts at a very young age, Mm -hmm. you know, um, my grandson has a, a sparkly pink necklace. It's like one of those, you know, little plastic things and uh, he loves it and I think what happens to to boys you know what happens Mm -hmm. to kids when they go to school or they meet a friend who who already has learned that because really sexism starts at home right Mm -hmm. and it's you know I I think that every school definitely needs this book and if I were a teacher I would love to just bring you know 25 sparkly necklaces to class and give them out and read this book to them because I think it's the beginning of learning about in you know how to be an individual and how to support each other and um that it's not a boy or girl or you know it's it's not something that just belongs to one gender that everything belongs to all of us and we need to you know share and and have fun like i just think it's a great book because i think that's where it starts all of this nonsense and uh and hard stuff for girls starts you know when when people think that they can't read this to their students or their children at home Mm -hmm. and uh yeah and I say that as a bookseller because I know that I already have had customers 
reject books like this, mm-hmm. you know, and and I think that it's really important not to make those assumptions when you're a teacher librarian mm-hmm. that, I mean, I know that they have to because they're in schools and they're worried about what parents are going to say and principals and all that, but, you know, it has to start somewhere and, uh, you know, we're... It's fantastic. Yeah, so it, I think it's, it's like, a very It's making important. me want to cry a little bit, yeah. like it's such a sweet book. Yeah, yeah. And so lovely, and you know the illustrations are gorgeous. Yeah, they did a really good job. He really, job. yeah, it really does make you feel like he's glowing. And yeah. who's the publisher on this one? Uh, this one is is Orca. Okay. Yeah. Well done, Orca. Yeah. Maria, how are you remembering all of the plots that you just told us? Because I, I can't even remember, <laughs> you know, the last email that I sent. So well, you know what I I think is that if you talk about books as soon as you read them, yeah. you'll probably remember them. I think for me, it's about talking about them. Mm-hmm. If I just keep it to myself, and right. I even if I just write something down, um, that's okay. But I think for me, it's the act of you know speaking about the books yeah. and. Um, I don't remember anything else, though. Don't ask me what my kids' names are. <laughs> fair, that's fair. But yeah, no, I mean, you know, I, I yeah, I think for that's that's what it is for me anyway. I don't know how other people remember, but uh, yeah. yeah, I couldn't do this like from notes or anything. I just have to, but I do have to have the book in front of me. It's right. like the book speaks to me when I see thing. it. Yeah, it really is. Have and you ever taught uh, book talking? Have I taught book yeah, talking? Like, have you ever I, I have done instructed? I have done sessions on book talking. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. It's such a, uh, it's a skill that I think doesn't get developed a lot. It's a little bit storytelling, but it's also how to capture the essence of it. Right. And what to hold back because you want to tease someone, right? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, you, you, you know, I have, I have good examples of, of stories that are of of a way to sell a book where you can hold back so much, but you can just say three things about a book and then it's like, I have to have that book. What? Yeah. I used to do that to my kids when, well, one of my children, when they didn't want to read, (laughs) just say, Oh, you don't have to read, but you know what this book is about. And then he'd say, well, tell me more. And I, Nope. Can't three sentences. (laughs) You're going to have to read the whole book. Three sentences. (laughs) Nice. Um, I just gonna ask you something else. What was it? Do, do you find that there's a way to translate that um, online? Like, is there is there a way, a, an easy or a good way to do a book talk through, um, you know, like a web page or tweets? Or do you find that, like, the oral is what makes it pop? Um, I th- I always think oral is better and, yeah. uh, and in person as well. But um, I think that there is a way to, to I you know, sometimes I read... Um, I read reviews of books and they're just too long. I mean, mm-hmm. I really just want to know. And it's the same thing with publisher reps. You know, I'll, I'll uh, someone will be sitting in, and I'll already have decided based on the first two or three things that they've said and we should just move on, but yeah. we don't. And I mean, that doesn't happen a lot because I've got great publisher reps. But also that happens in when I read blogs or reviews of books where it's just like a big, long dissertation. And I don't really need that for myself anyway. I don't, I'm not dissecting books that way. Mm-hmm. I just want a good story. I just yeah. want something that I can, you know, I can, like, especially with picture books. I mean, y- you know, I could tell the story to my grandson without reading this now. Mm-hmm. And that's what a good picture book does, right? Mm-hmm. Like fairy tales, you know, we, we retell fairy tales just because we've heard them so many times, but a good story will stay with you mm-hmm. and you'll you'll at least have the bones of it in your heart and I think that um I think that that does that can translate to blogging or reviews mm-hmm. or tweeting or 
yeah, things that I don't have Insta a lot of time story. to do. But I feel like yeah. an Insta story format would be a really that's good. That's good. Yeah, that's you know? a good idea. Because you, you gotta get it quick. There's the visual. Yeah, you have to be. Uh, yeah, you have to be a bit of a salesperson, right? Yeah, you have yeah. to be like a bookseller. Um, mm-hmm. I think teachers know how to do that too. So, sometimes they're they're good at that because they know their class as well and they yeah. know what will grab them but uh yeah I think just just not overdoing it have you ever had uh a friend tell you what they were reading and they just go on and on and on and on and I just like I start daydreaming I just I don't know I can't I can't listen to to too much maybe I'm a little ADD I don't know so maybe that helps me sell books quicker or they just tell you the ending right off yeah well you gotta read this book he dies in the end that's right okay I'm done I know I know. It is a skill. Yes, definitely. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing these titles with us today, thank your you. experiences. It's very interesting to hear. I always love hearing the bookseller perspective on things. So thank you. Thank My you first podcast, and I love library. You did a great job. Loves, library Land Loves. You got it. Great. Yeah, I'm going to listen and keep listening. Excellent. Thanks. Um, so that's all the time we have today but thank you Maria Um, we will put a link up to these books in the pod description so if you want to know more about them I'm also going to put a picture up of the cover so you can see that if you have any questions or comments on today's episode please drop us a line at the contact us section of our website at accessola.com and as I said we'll have links and photos from this episode up on the site visit us on twitter at the worst handle in the world at on library asoc i don't know i think a longer version was just taken we couldn't get ola and on facebook at facebook.com slash access ola and don't forget to subscribe on apple podcasts google play wherever you get your podcasts and please please tell a friend about library land loves thanks so much and we'll see you soon